Back to another episode of Supercatch Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. And I'm Swizz. And thank you for joining us. It's our team by team analysis series, ladies and gentlemen, getting into the back end, which is where Carlton do their worst work. Um, before we move on, SC Insider, the new ninth, <laughs> yes, uh, the new Richmond. Before we move on, SC Insider 100, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Also, all the audio platforms as well. So, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you name it, and on the YouTube, Chris. Yeah, search for Supercoach Insider. And Ben, I just wanted to say, I did some a uh, little bit of statistical analysis you would have noticed on our pod chat earlier that um, we're up to, this is now episode 370 for the Supercoach Insider boys. And uh, during that time, we've had over 611,000 uh, listens. Streams. So not uh, not bad at all. I think uh, for the new kids on the block, mate, we're not going too bad. I know it was like, but they, they did say kind of though. <laughs> the new kids on the block, kind of. Um, mm. but although to be fair, it's we didn't really exist until Swizz joined us. I think everyone likes him. <laughs> Swizz, so that's um, season, season three, season four. I don't even know. I don't know seasons. Uh, it's five or six, I think. Now the I think their breakout was uh, COVID in the end. We're like, yeah, the breakout <laughs> season. We're going to do really well, and then COVID hits. But um, nothing like yeah, partnering with you know sports person of the year to really kick the podcast in the right direction. You know. <laughs> he's a modest he's a modest man but uh, look we are getting into port adelaide today before we move on though also shout out to a splash vodka.com.au so i'll probably have one of these in the next component and um really support those that support us we are really going into the the crux of it today doing mm-hmm. a few things a little bit different uh really appreciating as well the shout outs and comments particularly youtube shout out comment interact swizz chris and myself are all up on there as well so putting our thoughts etc and even if you are commenting to say, hey, where's Giath? I'm like, well, mate, he's not a top six defender. <laughs> uh, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, but yeah, really appreciate you. Shout us out and comment wherever you are from. Where do you listen to us? How do you like us? You know, Do you, do you play it down low with the, the dim lights on or do you get up right in their face like the Dylan Moore chat? But let's go on. Chris, talk about Port Adelaide and um, see what we have for us. Yeah, mate. Well, I suppose we sort of look at the season of Port last year. They finished 11th with 10 wins and 12 losses with a percentage, though, of 110%. And it was honestly the year that could have been. They should have been playing finals. They lose is good enough to play finals. Um, They started off horrendously, which obviously really put them on the back foot trying to play catch-up for the rest of the season. And they just couldn't make up the ground of those first... uh, I think they lost the first five, didn't they? Were they one and six or something like that? Um, really, really rough start to the season. Uh, they had some big injuries. So during the year, they, their ruck line obviously never really got off the ground. So they lost Lysette and then they lost um, Hayes and then they brought in Tickle and then they lost him and then um, ended up with Finlayson basically being the, the lone ruck and he's not even really a ruck. So they were, were a bit parting it around. They had injuries to yeah, key personnel. Um, went, went from Butters early in the season who missed out on a couple of games um, yeah, they just could not get any continuity into their into their list, and that's obviously probably the biggest reason why, at the end of the day, they just couldn't get over the line, especially early. Um, but that percentage, one hundred and ten percent, like that bodes well with them going into this season. And in Port's own admission, they've just recently come out and said uh, Hinkley said that's the best list he's ever coached. So there is no excuse. 
I kind of like that is a double-edged sword. Like I know that Hinkley likes to put big expectations on his club and he'll fall on his sword. He's the first person to do so when they fail. But I wouldn't be going out and saying, yeah, it was the best I've ever coached because like that means that you're guaranteeing basically top four is what I'm saying. It's Horn Francis. They've gone up 20%. That whole list, they get one guy and oh, he's amazing. Everybody's going up. No one's going down. I love it. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what can happen when you're home. Yeah, so, I mean, where I see them this year, I do see them um, pushing for that eight, uh, for the eight. Um, I'm not sure top four, but I definitely think, I mean, everything would have to go right for them to get top four. They have to have a good run with injuries and it can happen. Trust me, it can happen, but I'm pretty sure they'll get in the eight safely. I don't think they're going to be battling for that last spot. I think that you could probably see them somewhere between fourth to sixth is area. That's a, that's a, I know it's a narrow range, but that's my opinion. I think um, I think they've got a really good list. They've finally worked out how to play their list. Um, they're going to spend the start of the year probably working out the best way for their midfield to function and their forward line um, and then go from there. If they can get some continuity into the defense because they were losing them left, right and center as well last year. That'll also be good. So um, ins and outs, um, they've got uh, Nathan Barkler, Category B rookie. Francis Evans was a delisted free agent, obviously, from Geelong. Uh, the big one in JHF, he came from North. North. Um, Kyle Marshall, so they didn't have, have much, obviously, in draft picks because they traded him all the way. They had uh, Kyle Marshall at number 59, Tom McCallum at number 36. Uh, they did get in, of course, as well, Junior Rioli, so that was not bad. Um, and then, of course, Tom Scully, uh, the number 53 draft pick. Um, so out of the club, they've lost obviously Carl um, Amon. Is that, did I get that right this time? Yes. <laughs> uh, Martin Frederick was surprised. Oh, so I say surprisingly delisted because I thought he was a excitement machine, but apparently the club didn't think so much um, and could barely break through the twos. And when he did, he wasn't showing amazing stuff. But I thought he was great from what the minimum stuff I saw. Obviously, Robbie Gray retired. Sam Mays delisted. Another one of your boys there, um, there Benny boy. Um, Stephen Motlop retired, Taj Schofield delisted, and Sam Skinner delisted. Another one of your boys, buddy. Well, at least those two <laughs> went to Port Adelaide to extend their career rather than uh, go you know, for the, the go home factor, then go to North and get paid to not play for a year. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, a bit of fixture analysis, of course, they actually have a really, really hard list. So if anything is going to stop them from getting top four, it's going to be their fixture. So they the twice they obviously play Adelaide twice, um, and that's always a, a bit of a coin flip rather than a runover game with the showdown. Um, they've got Ad, uh, Collingwood twice, Essendon twice. So there's two wins. Um, Geelong twice, Richmond twice, and the Western Bulldogs. So they've actually got I would say four really difficult double up fixtures, and then they've got Adelaide of course, which is a coin flip, and then they've got Essendon. Which let's be honest, Essendon on their day can probably beat anyone, but they're the sort of team that if it's going well for them, they'll run over the top of you. And if it's not going well, then you'll run over the top of them. So anything can happen in a game against Essendon. The first four are pretty difficult again. So they've got Brisbane at home, uh, Collingwood away, and then Adelaide at home before Sydney away. So that's probably the, I would argue, potentially the hardest four fixtures of any club. Um, Going to be rough scenes if they go 0-4 or 1-3. And then the last three is uh, uh, a little bit easier on the back end. So they've got uh, GWS, uh, Frio, and then Richmond. They do have the round 15 buy, which is the last buy. So it's the hard one. If you want any of these guys to upgrade to, you're probably not going to get them. Um, and Champion Data have listed it as the fourth hardest 
a fixture. So, yeah, a little bit a little bit to worry about, but it's neither here nor there. So I guess we get straight into the premiums, guys. Um, now, I there there's a few I would call premiums, but when we talk premiums, we're, we're generally talking about people that we are actually considering in our team, right? So I want to sort of write off a couple right off the bat. Um, Ollie Wines, 580k mid, just started back in training um, from what I believe. I think he's not even in full training yet, but close to it. Um, obviously, you can't start him. Might be a guy that you look at you know, on the back end of the season. Hopefully, you get a wine special. He's done that a couple of times when he goes, say, 115 plus in the back end, but I don't think you can start him. Yeah, he had, uh, I think it was knee surgery and pretty much coming off a short run-up. So, he's done like no footy conditioning really um, at all and is now coming back in. So the other thing is to consider that might actually influence how they start because Ollie Wines isn't a huge time yes. on ground person anyway. He plays 77% time on ground at his best. But so then it's well, 80%, right? So there's time yeah, yeah. now. So starting the season, you might actually see a few of these other people take more of the CBA and a little bit more of the time on ground and let him get his, you know, get his momentum going as well. Yeah. So, I mean, you might see a bit of a boost in scores for some other guys for the first few rounds, which is a good reason to have these guys as well. So you've got to be wary of that. Um, the other one that I'll just touch on briefly is obviously Travis Boak as well. But um, I think the consensus generally around the around the land is that he's going to be playing a little bit more forward. And I think last year only really got 65% um, CBAs, was it? Or something similar? Uh, he was 5% so, 5% short of getting forward status. So he was yeah, very close already. Yeah. Exactly right. So we consider him to be probably having a little less of that CBAs and a little bit more forward. I don't think it's I, – I had this conversation with you guys earlier. I don't think it's an absolute guarantee that he has that much less CBAs because he's still arguably one of their best midfielders. So you take him out, you rob Peter to pay Paul. I'm not sure if you win that battle because – they're, they're, the guys that they have that can play forward in, you know, Rosie, in Butters and uh, Jason Horn Francis, those three guys are very good forwards as well. So it's not like they're not serviceable. And I would argue that Vokes is arguably the worst forward out of those, that bunch. So he, he probably delivers you better from midfield. Not saying that that's an impact for standard relevancy because I just don't think you can start him. Someone you can look at will probably slide in drafts that you might be able to pick up at a little bit unders and he can still pump you out a serviceable, what, what do we say, 90-95, maybe even 100, you know? So I think maybe draft relevant, but I'm not sure if he's going to be standard relevant. Maybe a round six special if he picks up forward DPP and he's still averaging quite well, but I'm not sure that you can start it. Actually, I'm, I'm positive you can't start it in standard. So um, any thoughts, guys, on Boke at this point? No. Now I'm with you. 105.4 average, though, last year means someone will pick him up ahead of where you probably should in uh, draft. So I'd probably just let someone else take him. Although the, the risk is there. If he gets DPP, 100 averaging forward as a DPP, I think is actually still a really good option. Just weigh up those uh, the pros and cons. If he does play 40, he might drop in average slightly. And then the you know you wouldn't be picking him up at a 105 at that. So, yeah, play it by you. Yeah, fair enough. All right, well, I'll go through one more that is slightly relevant that – Potentially could be a very good option um, before I go through the the main um, like tier options because they kind of complement each other and I can talk about them both at the same time. Um, but Houston, guys, 545K defender. We I was on him last year. I've been a massive Houston lover. 
um, you know, touted to play in midfield, goes in there and plays a tagging role, doesn't score very well. And then it ends up that I actually prefer him behind the ball as a loose option. Um, touted to be playing more defense this year and halfback flank. I'm a little bit interested. One thing to note as well, midfield minutes doesn't always mean a good thing. So, yeah. so you know, the, you have the attacking midfielder who can just run and pick up and do whatever they like. You have the other one that might put on some blocks, et cetera. And then you might have the defensive midfielder. So sometimes yeah. when you see t- you know, players from a whole range of teams, or oh, they're getting midfield time, wonderful. But are they trying to block someone from getting a run at the ball? Are they trying to get it themselves? Are they worried about the ball or someone else? So not And that was 100% Houston when he went in there. And I, it, it was so frustrating as an owner because you'd be like, he's around the ball. Pass it to him. Get him. Do something. Do something, Houston. And then he would have these games. I don't know, like if role changes or whatever, but he'd just go 150 out of nowhere and you'd be like, oh, thank you, Houston. Whenever he, <laughs> whenever he plays Brisbane, it's pretty much, you know what, they give him no attention. He goes, oh, let's, let's just let him go and run up near the forward 50 goal. No issues. Like, yeah, damaging. Well, I mean, it'd be interesting to watch to see if he, I mean, look, he, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't think I can start with someone like Houston because there's too many question marks over the entire port list, let alone their the defensive line. But I wouldn't be surprised if he he runs into a 105 to 110 average and becomes a top 60 to 10 forward. Uh, sorry, defender. I, I wouldn't be surprised about it. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen. And, I, and at his price point, you're you're saying at 545K, you're saying, He's he's an absolute top six option. There's no other reason that you would pick him otherwise. And there is just so much of a glut of defensive options. At 50K more, you get guys like you know Dawson, Stewart, etc. 50K less, you're getting guys like Ridley, Redmond, Dacos, Young. What do you, you know, where does he fit in that realm? I'm not sure. We were just talking as well uh, off air that, this is not the year to try and pick speculative defenders for mm. a, a breakout, like, oh, yeah, from thin air, like Giath. It's like, well, we're not picking someone from thin air because you've got awesome premiums that are, you know, expensive but also high scoring. A couple on the fringe of possibly making it, you know, to the, the 105 or 100 mark. And then you've got great mid prices, great rookies. So this is pretty much the year to either go rookies, mid prices, or try and find yourself a person you think will be in that top sort of six to 10. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And what I'd also like to say to that is this, having a pod is not great for pod's sake. Just getting a pod because they're in a unique position doesn't make them good. The only reason that they're a, a good pod is if they average the same but are a similar price. So that on some weeks, you may win a league matchup because of it. It's not a, just, just getting someone who's going to average less. That's not a pod. You know, picking someone for 550K because they're in 1% of teams doesn't give you an advantage over the competition. More than likely, it probably hurts you when they absolutely go spud or get injured and you're the only one that's got him. At least there's safety in numbers with a pick like Stewart or Dawson or Dacos. Whereas if they go down and or have an injury or whatever it may be, you know, 45% of the competition is with you with that pick. So it doesn't hurt as much. When you've got Houston and he goes down or something like that or has a 50 and he does pump out the occasional 50 game, that's a big issue. Um, so yeah, don't choose pods for pod's sake um, is the message. There. Yeah, choose SC inside of 100 when you're in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> when, in, when in doubt, yeah, SC inside of 100. Yeah, just because you have a mic doesn't mean you're a podcaster. Just because you label, label a, a segment scoops doesn't mean you're a podcaster. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> wow. 
Hey, uh, Swiss, are you going to chime in at all? Or you no, just no, gonna no I'm, yeah. I'm just waiting for you to talk about actual relevant players. <laughs> Actually, that's fair. We need to no, no, Swiss it's fair. We need bombs. to write this no, down. It. 16 minutes in when Chris right. actually talks about relevant players. I, I, did, I just did that for the Port fans like JB who are going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> And, uh, all right, let's get into the, uh, the probably the crux of this podcast, probably what most people came for. Um, there's two forwards, uh, forward mid options that are absolutely lights out at port. Um, and that's Butters at two, at 529k forward mid and Rosie 530, 513k forward mid. So um, who's the better option? I suppose you could probably throw a hat on them. What we've done is we've actually broken down statistically over a period of time what they both need to do to perform well. And I, I think that both of them can perform well. The reason, only reason why I've sort of written off Butters is probably because the last two years is absolutely shafted me when I've had him in my team both times. Um, yeah, last year, and it wasn't even that bad last year, but he then got injured and then everyone had to trade him out. And um, if you if you were game enough to bring him back in, he actually had a really good back end of the year. But I think most people you know, jumped off the trader, train early when he got that uh, first injury. But we've seen Butters have an insane ceiling with the right role. Now, unfortunately, I think that Butters' role might get slightly worse than what it's been. So he did get quite a lot of CBAs towards the back end of the year. And um, I've, I've noticed on his graph, of all of the guys that are looking to to get CBAs from the um, from Port, he's the one that has the most impact with the least amount of CBAs, which points out to me that he's actually more valuable to them off the half forward line, pushing into midfield rather than being a pure midfielder. And so for that reason, unfortunately, I think that he's probably the one that gets the least CBAs, which doesn't necessarily mean he's going to score bad because he does score actually quite well off the half forward but what it means is his scoring's erratic so you find that with butters he can go 45 50 55 60 and then the next week he'll go 140 150 like he's got this huge ceiling and then this really low floor with that role and what we found last year was when he got more cbas that sort of evened out and he was getting more consistent scoring patterns so i think that he probably re- regresses in cbas and goes to that more Really low, re- really low floor, but really high ceiling, and probably still averages quite well. But do you really want that on a week to week basis? The reason we talk about CBAs as well, and I know Chris's partner will be loving the CBA talk. CBA, CBA, Chris, mm. say it loud. It's just an indicator. That's all it is. No, I know, and, and it, it's a really good indicator because when he had that role, right? So when Butters had forty eight percent or more CBA as a percentage last year, he had eight rounds. He averaged one hundred fourteen point four. And he had 700s with a low of 89. So that's what we talk about. It's like if someone goes on the halfback flank or if they get a freed up role for an intercept, certain roles score really well and certain players score really well when they get a lot of time inside. So he's one of those people. And that's what I'm kind of looking at. Although the only problem is with Wines being injured and coming off a slow run up, I think it's going to be very misleading for possibly Butters and also Rosie in these two trial matches because some people might just get very, very, very excited because they're both lined up inside mid more. Uh, I don't know about that. I think that they play guys like Dumont um, in the trial game. You know, guys like Jackson Mead, guys like Pal Pepper might get some CBAs. Guys like um, who? I mean, they've got you know Drew. What's his going to be mid split going to be like? Um, so they've got other. I think that what they're. Tr- I mean, look, I don't know this, but if if I was Ken Hinckley, 
I'd be trying to get the guys into the role. They're trying to work it out as we go as well. I'd be trying to go, okay, we're going to be going this split here, this split here. This, this is what we want you in the season. Now, Wines, we think is going to be X, but we can't replicate that this week. So we'll put X in that role. So I think that they might be trying to shuffle that around and try to get that right in the preseason because that's going to mix and match um, when the season actually starts. We will have to wait and see, but we will probably be able to see that by the numbers uh, when it all comes out in the wash. So, um, I, I look, do I think Bud is, is a good option? Yeah. Do I think he's a better option than the other four guys that are similarly priced? No. And the only other one that I would say is a bigger is as big a risk, obviously, is Cornelio with his body. Outside of that, uh, Rosie is, is liked a little bit better. I mean, Rosie's had a, a bit of a strange one with his body in that He's had mixed pre-seasons and then come into the season underdone or had a slight injury but played through. So it's a little bit deceiving how good he's been in terms of his body. Um, so even though he might have been playing, that's not to say he wasn't injured. And he was playing forward for way too long because of that. So, um, yeah, I still think that Butters is the, is the one that's the, the highest risk. Um, also, we previously spoke a lot about Rosie and Butters playing that kind of blocking for Dixon lead role Yeah. right now yeah. with Re- Willie Rioli and you have Fantasia and a few of these other guys coming back in. I think that probably frees them up a little bit more, Chris. What do you think as far as? Yeah, well, Fantasia's um, obviously there as well. He has, He's had a little bit of a niggle in this preseason. I'm not sure how he's tracking right now, but I mean, you'd, you'd have to think that if they had Fantasia, if they had Rioli, and those guys are you know, designated actual full-time forwards, then that does help push other guys up the ground. Having said that, Rioli is a pretty good mid. Like I actually really enjoyed his mid-time that he was getting at West Coast. I thought he was really fantastic in there. So there's every chance that he might get some CBAs at some point. You know, Maybe someone gets an injury and he jumps in. I'm not sure he's a first choice with the depth of mids that they've got there. But he could always pop in there for a couple of if they wanted a bit of an X factor. So just be wary of that as well. And that it might start out that way, but it, it, it might not finish that way. Um, and that's, I suppose, the big big question marks over Port with these picks is what sort of mid split are they getting? And is it going to be enough to be a keeper? And the, fortunately enough for us, they're all obviously forwards, which means that the ceiling, like what they need to achieve is probably around 100 average at an absolute minimum. Now, the scope for these guys in terms of upside is too huge to ignore. So someone like a Butters or a Rosie, both of them, they could, if they were if they were given the right role, average 110 plus quite comfortably. I just don't think with the setup they've got at that club that they're going to be able to do that. And that's the thing. Um, so with Rosie, of course, so there was a press conference last week. Was it last week the press conference that he had? Yeah, it's fairly recent. Yeah. So he mentioned that he doesn't anticipate that his role will change anything from last year. It's going to be very similar. And what we found is that he averaged between 40 to 60% um, CBAs. And when he did that, he averaged quite well. In fact, he averaged, I think, just over 105 from midfield um, and very well uh, post round six, I think it was 103. Um, Yeah, when he had uh, 53% CBAs or more, he actually averaged 112 
So that's the threshold we're talking about. So bonus yeah. is a little bit less. If but you're getting 50%, so, that's huge, oh, yeah. So 53%. So we had uh, 900, so 14 game sample. So that's still quite a lot of sample. That's a huge sample. Yeah, yeah. That's, 14 a, that's games. a sample enough that if he gets that over 22 games, I'm confident to say he's going to be top six. Oh, for sure. So average 112 over with 53% CBA in a 14 game sample, 900s, right? And he had three of those were 150s. So huge, huge ceiling for any forward. I don't know if there's a forward that has three 150 scores in the whole comp. Cornelio. Do you reckon 350s, 150s? Um, sorry, sorry. Dunkley. <laughs> so the, maybe, yeah, maybe Dunkley. Um, but yeah, really, really. So 900s, that's a really good average there. But the issue was when he had under 53% CBA, he averaged 60.6. Yeah, there's a, it's a big threshold yeah, cut off. And a difference because at the start of the year, I think he was carrying that ankle or whatever. But again, that's what we're looking for. High CBAs for both of them. And also while we're on both, Chris, quickly, some people, someone actually asked, hey, how did they go together in the same team if they both had CBAs? So if they both had 44% CBAs, both of them together, like each, they Rosie averaged 110.6 and Butters averaged 99. And however, though, the last six times that they played where they both had four, 44% CBA, so the last six together, which was... Why I think they were winning and why I think they will probably maybe go this route. Um, Rosie averaged 125.8 and Butters 113.3. So the last six games when they were winning, trying to make finals and they were improving in the back end of the season, both of them went absolutely nuts together. Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely agree that I think they're both decent picks. It's just more body concern. I, um, I, here's the other thing as well. You can't start both because of the buy. Because if you're starting, if you're starting Rosie and Butters and Cornelio, and then you've got um, Taranto? Taranto, there's 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 what four guys there with the same buy. Like that's what about is Brisbane also round fifteen? Is Dunkley also that? <clears throat> no, not, they're early. They're first round. Yeah, and I mean the goat has his buy earlier too. I think doesn't he? Jack Zebel, you know. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, but he'll be in defense. It was by either him no. or Josh in Kelly. defense by them, mate. And you could swing him around in defense as well, guys, as well. Just you know, with his kick-ins and his amazingness. And, uh, his, and that, that's one of the reasons why I just like I took Rosie out the other day because I'm sitting there going, "God, my whole forward line's missing in round 15." But it's trying to like, okay, how can I balance it? Because we're most likely going to have three in there. And it's just sort of okay. Who can I? Who will I able to loophole and you know do with that situation? Because yeah, it's going to be a bit of a nightmare to go, you know deal with. Where'd you go and eat, Swiss? What do you mean? Well, you said you took him out. I'm assuming for a yeah. nice meal and a. <laughs> <laughs> or if it's anything like Dane Zorko, you know, for take a him out for a seafood dinner, and, and then I never <laughs> called him again. <laughs> took him out for a cup of coffee that he never accepted. <laughs> yeah. How do we think that? Jason Horn Francis is going to affect these CBAs, boys. Okay. So this is a big conjecture point. Um, there a lot of so the players, not necessarily coaches, but players have said that he will get a lot of mid-time this season. Now, what is mid-time? Can someone tell me what that means? Because does that mean CBAs? Does that mean he's playing off a wing? Does that mean he's playing the Isaac Rankin, which is the half forward that pushes up to the contest after the bounce? Where does it mean that he's playing and how does that impact the other guys? My biggest issue with all of that is, you know, you're banking then on, um, say, a, I, I think the only way that it works where he gets bulk midfield minutes is Drew is no longer best 22. That is the only way that I can see that working because Drew cannot play forward. He's not a forward player. 
He's the he's a he's an inside midfield bull. Now maybe he gets some real serious minutes early, and um, with wines, obviously they need that guy. But I can't see someone like a Drew getting any time in that midfield. Therefore, I can't see him in that best twenty-two mix. Maybe he's a sub or something like that. I'm not sure how that how does that work. You've got Butters, Rosie, JHF, Wines, Boke. There's five midfielders right there without even counting Drew, who is who played, I think he was their leader in his CBAs last year, wasn't he? Or or close to it. What was um what was Drew? He was He was very close. Drew, I think uh, you're 50, right. uh, only fifty four percent. So he's behind just behind uh Boke and Wines. Wines was seventy one percent. So he's their third. Um yeah. So you take you, you take him out, you know, there there's your spot right there. But are you really doing that? I mean, Robbie Gray only had 17% last year. Amon only 16%. You know, Jackson Mead only had 11%. You know, so the guys that are probably not playing, there's not that much mid-time for him to take up. So someone's coming out. And that, yeah, you know, obviously Boke had 61%, but I don't think he's coming out that much that it's like, okay, well, we can give him 50% mid-time. Like that's, I don't think it's a thing. What, where do you worth- guys see him? Well, just quickly, it's worth noting that he had 40% of CBAs when he was at North Melbourne for the games he played. And he was shit. Well, North were <laughs> shit. Um, yeah, like I mean, Swizz, I'll, I'll give well, you your take on this rate, part rate, of it. Rate, George, rate Horn Francis right now's season based on last Oh, the year. season was horrible. The season was horrible. Mm, and It was terrible. You know, yeah, but that, that's, that doesn't mean that that's what's going to continue because there are still people out there and people that I, I respect their opinions, and they're saying that if you know the jury is is out, but there are people that still believe that Horn Francis could still be a better footballer than Dacos, and very easily. I you know, know who, he, had, you know who Horn year. Francis reminds me of? Cam Rayner. How's he going? Nah, he's better than Cam Rayner. Is he? Yeah, yeah. No, he doesn't seem. Cam Rayner. Cam Rayner hasn't even gone in the midfield. He's now going back flank, mate, and I like Rayner. You know, Sprainer, but um, no, Horn Francis. I think I know a, he's a not. But that's what, this is what I mean. Like, I think he had a, he had about as much impact in his, when he played midfield as Cam Rayner did. Great with tackles, had his little bursts of like, oh my god, he's amazing. He did this amazing thing that lasted five seconds, and then the next play, he completely falls over. Like, I haven't seen anything from Horn Francis to say he's a good player yet For, at AFL level. I would say that's well, just my my personal opinion. Chris, I'd like to say in this matter that you are no expert, but when it comes to lasting five seconds, you might just be an expert. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think Drew is out. Let's uh, roll the tape. <laughs> there, there are two things that concern me. Number one, you know, don't trust players just alone. And I, I really want to see it uh, as far as the preseason games and what kind of split he gets and how he looks. Because judging of how he was in North Melbourne, if he wasn't happy and all the rest of it and he, and he just wanted out, Right, then that's going to be another scenario. And also he had, had double surgery, both legs to release some compression, I think it was. And it looks like he's fine. He's running around and the rest of it. But I need the eye test more than anything. And quickly before I move on to Swiss, a little tick as well to Port Adelaide, not waiting 12 months because them jumping on and actually getting the Horn Francis trade done, Adelaide had already committed to Rankin. And as far as commodities, they're like, hey, we want to get this trade done. And Adelaide were out of the picture give it 12 months and all of a sudden Adelaide now, hey, we have draft picks up our sleeve and then it gets a lot harder for North Melbourne. So I give him a hard time for some of the stuff that you hear from behind the scenes for Horn Francis. But 
when it comes to hey you, the club that your dad played for and the rest of it hitting you up 12, you know, 12 months into your contract saying we want you now because it's our best opportunity then i don't fault him for that so i'm actually like like i don't begrudge him for it at all i'm surprised he didn't go the grundy route and just basically go just tank all the interviews because this is what this is what Brody Grundy did. He was touted to be a top three pick and tanked all the interviews because he didn't like the clubs that were at the bottom of the ladder. So he's like, oh, fuck it. I don't care. He just gave them shit one word answers, didn't really care about the interviews and then slipped all the way to 17th. And that's where, um, where Collingwood picked him up. I'm surprised that didn't happen for Horn Francis, to be honest. I can tell you. Because he didn't, he want, to, he didn't want, want to go. Because uh, he wanted to go one. Because he wanted that, you know, always to be, I was the number one guy. And that, that was that was his big thing. But he hey, just Chris. didn't want to, but definitely didn't want to go to, and, and he knew he was going to tank Pity far enough to get to Port Adelaide. I don't think he actually wanted to go to Adelaide. He wanted to go to Port and he knew how, no matter how far he went down. He just wanted he the extra money, mate. Let's be honest. What? How did Grundy work out, Chris? He just got to really great form and then plateaued and made you pay for his salary. Yeah, great, great pick. Great player. <laughs> Oh, look, he, he was around during our 2018 loss, wasn't he? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I love, um, I do love Brody Grundy, um, but you know the in, the stories about the interviews are, le- are legendary. Um, yet, if you have ever like you know seen him on any media platform, his attitude and demeanor is the complete opposite to everything you've heard from those stories, and it's just like that had to have been forced. Like it had to, he must have made a clear decision that he just didn't want to play for any of those shitty clubs. So yeah, not. I bad. want to see um, Horn Francis do some interviews. Swiss, what do you think? Are you could you be sold by Horn Francis in the preseason? I'm, I'm, I'm not really that sold on him, but I think maybe that's personality traits that is making me biased there. I think he now that he's settled down at home, we're going to actually get to have a real look at him. I'm still conscious about the attitude, um, you know, and, and it says a lot. Like, I think the the one player we've really seen do this was Nathan Buckley back in the day. And to his credit, went to North, he always said, you know, oh, I'm going to Brisbane for one year, but could have not done anything more for Brisbane in that one year um, where, you know, as you see Horn Francis, you see like Tanner Bruin, you know, players like this, they just kind of crack it and that and, um yeah, everyone's like, okay, you get back home, that attitude's just going to change. But will it? Like, it it's a big step up from, you know, what the, if you've got, you know, shit training attitudes and stuff like that, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I'm going to just flick a switch. And that, it's still a long way back coming from, like, where all these other guys are. So potentially throughout the season, I don't think he's going to burst on the scene. I still think he'll get opportunities definitely early on. So I, I don't know. Port- I, it may affect, but... I'm not sold. I give Port a bit of credit here. Um, and it's 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 easy to say like he, maybe he didn't put in and, and that could be very valid. But at the same time, if you're not happy and, you know, the coach has come out saying, why would you pick this guy for and all these other things that were rumoured, if you're not happy, it's kind of hard to motivate yourself. There's that intrinsic motivation where it's just not there. So I, I think, you know, Port Adelaide players actually giving him a prop up saying how impressive he is, how hard he's training and the rest of it. And, he, and from the footage, it looks like that's very much accurate. I'm going to give them the credit as far as I, I'm really interested to see it. And I, I'd like to see it. Yeah, yeah. fair well, enough. I think yep. Port had to do it. It makes a lot of sense for Port. They, and as you said, and jumping in from Adelaide um, would, would have made a huge pitch next year. But 
I just don't know about the attitude. I'm just not sold on it yet. But, like, you know, things can change. You know, if he comes out on fire those two preseason games and first two weeks of the season, well, all of a sudden I'm going to have to try to find a way to get him in. But at the moment, I, you know, he's a long way down the order for me. Chris, that's your perfect Zebel scapegoat. There you go. <laughs> well, I was literally like, well, I mean, there's about there's about four of them, but yeah, I'll take I'll take it if I need to, which I won't need to, by the way, because he's the goat. Um, now, just before we move on to breakout candidates, because we kind of are, because that we skipped out to JHF, but it's fine. Skipped on one of mine. Um, can we get a, a a Butters Rosie one and two from you guys? Ben, who do you think he will average more? Oh, actually, let's go with total points. Oh, let's go both, total points uh, and average. I'm just going Rosie for both because of the ceiling. Uh, anytime Butters gets near 100 points, close to halftime, he gets injured at halftime. So, uh, <laughs> look, I, I like them both. But, again, you can only pick one. And the fact that Rosie had three times 150 scores, I think it's kind of like that Bontempelli factor where – you know, the influence of games. And if they're going to win more games, I just think, you know, Rosie is probably the one and he's been in my side a lot um, this year. And Swiss? Um, as much as I'm wearing a butter shirt and I've got multiple butter shirts, it's it's Rosie for that. I just think, um, yeah, it's that ceiling where at any given week he can go 150, which is going to boost his score. And I think that... Um, the bottom, his bottom line comes up a little bit. It might only be I, I think 60s that to that's 70s, the key. but that's probably the, that's the difference in it. Uh, the key just could be, honestly, that I, I feel like Butters is a better forward. And for that reason, he's more valuable to them off half forward line. Therefore, he's not going to get the ability to, to raise his floor. Their ceiling, I feel like, is the same. I feel like they, they both have insane ceilings. That's, I don't think that's the issue with Butters at all. I think it's the floor that is the issue. And because of the role, he's not necessarily going to be able to improve that floor. And that's why I would say Rosie's might mine Yeah, as well. but I still don't see Butters going out and scoring a 150 where Rosie, I have more confidence he's going to put out some massive score on any given week. Fair enough. I mean, Butters, Butters was, uh, you know, 100 and a half time before he got injured, but like whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. But <laughs> he's done it before. He's done he's done it before, but more confident in Rosie doing it. Fair enough. And let's say, okay, so obviously in the five. So if you wanted to put the the big five forward premiums that everybody's talking about together, so I'm talking about um, Canelio, uh, obviously Rosie, Butters, uh, Taranto, and no, oh no, those are probably the four fifties. Dunkley, let's let's exclude Dunkley because I think that everyone's just knows he's got him one. as one. Yeah. Um, where would you put? Uh, where would you put those two in that mix, Ben? Um, I've gone Canelio one, Taranto two, and Rosie three. Um, more for the fact that I'm probably more certain as far as the role for Canelio and Taranto as far as. When they're getting that pure midfield role, I can at least be sure that they're going to be hitting me those markers that I need. And that's as simple as it is. And uh, Rosie's in my team as an F4, but if a really good option appears, and if Zebul does appear or I don't have any, enough cash, etc., then Rosie could be the first one out of my side based on the fact that it's A, a hard draw, and B, the the buy and um, just you know, free up a little bit of money. So that's only the reason why. I do like Rosie eventually. And Swiss? Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so what would that be? Cornelio one, Dylan Moore two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So Cobb's yeah, Torino. Yeah, that was the, the best setup of all time. I should have texted that to you. <laughs> the exact same. Yeah, Cogs, Toronto, Rosie, Butters. Yeah, nice. And look, I am almost the same, but I'd probably put Rosie ahead of Taranto. Like if I had to drop someone at the moment, I'd probably drop Taranto over Rosie at this point. Um, the preseason games could influence that. Um, I, I, if if you were saying Taranto and Rosie had the exact same role and the exact same CBAs, I'm taking Rosie over Taranto every single day because his 100%. efficiency and use. Yeah, but we know Taranto is playing so much with Rosie. We've got no idea if he's playing forward or midfield. Right. So, any given way. I mean, look, I'm looking at I'm looking at Taranto saying you're a seventy to eighty percent CBA midfielder. I'm not looking at Rosie and saying the same. Now, if I, if apples and apples, that's a different story. Mm. So, therefore, for, story, for but me, it's not. Yes, exactly right. However, there could be games where he just like Taranto. Does he have a ceiling of one? Let's say a one thirty-five is a really big game from Taranto. Like he doesn't go much higher than that generally no. because his use keeps him his score limited. Those 150s aren't coming from that. Whereas Rosie, no. you can see that with less CBAs. So what I'm saying is I would actually, if someone's dropping out of my team, I'm probably dropping Taranto before I'm dropping Rosie. Yeah, but I feel like Taranto, you know you're getting 100 from him every, like every week. He's in that midfield. He's, yeah. he's going to have I'm, I'm actually more tossing up if I've got the cash, and the cash is probably the issue. Um, Butters versus Taranto is a big one for me. Um, and a little bit of a pod that's actually a pod, not for pod's sake, but because I actually feel that Butters might be better. My only thing is that who's got the better uh, body? And that's a bit of a question mark too. Taranto's had back issues. I don't know where I sit with that. It's a little bit up in the air, but that's 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 where I'm flipping in my team at the moment. Both have the same buy, so that doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. All right, moving on. So one more breakout opportunity that we should probably touch on is Lysette, um, 429K Ruck. Uh, I know, Swizz, that you're very heavy into the Lysette pick. Um, I actually, I'm pretty sure I started him at one point or I had him at one point in the last few years. I, I thought he was going to go to the moon. It might have been when, um, when he switched over from West Coast that I was really hot on him. And there was a lot of evidence to point towards the fact that as a number one Ruck, he can score really well. And then he came in and was a bit underwhelming, had some really good scores, but then some really bad scores. I think he had a 180 at one point, didn't he? He had a 180 in 20, I want to say 2021, 20, potentially. He went on an absolute heater, and then I think I brought him in, and then I think he dropped off a cliff and then got injured, or something yeah. to that equivalent, where he was, every super coach wanted him because he was just killing it at that point in time. Yeah. Um, but he was definitely the number one ruck. And at that point, he was just getting a chop out from Dixon. So there was, you know, 10% chop out, 90% ruck time for Lysette. So he was just fucking doing everything. I don't see that happening this season. And the reason for that is um, it looks like they're going to be playing Finlayson as that second ruck with also the other three tall. So they're still playing Dixon, Jordi Artis, and, um, uh, and Marshall. And then they've also got... Finlayson, which means he's going to have to play more ruck time to be able to warrant the fact that he's even playing on the field. He will be a little bit of a everywhere player, and, and the good news is that he can. He can swing forward, he can swing back, and swing into the ruck. But I do think that he's going to be a little bit of a bit part ruck, ruck player that takes 20%, 30% ruck time. 
Um, the problem is at the moment, obviously, he's got a synesmosis. So he's out injured, Finlayson. So we may not get to see what sort of impact that he has on line set before the season actually starts, which would be an absolute travesty if we get to the preseason game and he goes, we won 30 or something like that. And then Finlayson's not in the team. And then round one, Finlayson's in the team and you're like, oh, sh- like, what do I do with this? Um, what, how have you seen that, Swizz? Because I know you've looked into him heavily. Is he in your team at the moment? Like, or are you just weighing no, him up? He's come back. he's come back out of my side because I think I went the extra 40K up to DC. Um, but you're right. He had that run where he went 115, 111, 180, 165, 109. Like, and that was only like three years ago. So he's got the ability to do that. And somebody who's priced, uh, what's he priced at? 72 off the top of my head. Uh, might be 78, something 78. Um, so there's definitely value there because I'm not looking at him as playing the whole season, actually. I want him to play whatever amount of weeks it's going to take to sort out whichever of these rucks is going to be the prop, the ruck that I want. And, that, and that, that's the kind of key there. Now, with Finlayson, we've got the, the some sin, synomosis, and he's all, obviously also got the, um, on the for, fortunate um, issues that he's, I think his wife's going through at the moment, um, some health yes, issues. Yep. So that's obviously going to play some toll and don't know if that's going to affect him missing games and stuff on top of that. So um, if Lysett's fit, it's very tempting. I've put DC back in there because, A, we know DC can be moved forward, but there's also the chance that if Lysett or even Draper are the two, um, it's easier to sort of manoeuvre to get them in by doing that. But Go backwards, yeah. In saying that, if it does come through those preseason games, as you're saying, he's playing Sol Ruck. Finlayson does look like he's going to be, let's just say, a month away or something like that. I don't think it's going to be that long, but let's just say it is. Then it does change my thinking again because I'm thinking, well, I'm getting at least he can a make month some cash of good scores, yep. make that cash, and then it's only sharing Ruck for two or three weeks before I want to get him to whichever Ruck it is. So I think some people are... Well, and you never know what will happen there because what happens if Dixon, who, you know, how many games does he play a year, goes down and they have to use then Finlayson more as a forward. Um, you know, Port's had a lot of injury issues over for a long time and, and then it's not going to get improving. Like these guys are aging, so why would that change? Um, so there, there's potential that Lysett could, could become a more long-term issue. We, we, we was having this same conversation with Woods last year. And like, oh, well, which won't play 22 games. He won't be the – and then all of a sudden, look what happens. Yeah, so the the thing with that is if they do like just the standard two-ruck system, they've got two very serviceable rucks just sitting there also. Like Finlayson has the – I think he's got the the lane to go in. But Tickle and Hayes are obviously both serviceable. I'm not sure that you could technically play Hayes and Lysette in the same team. I think that's just too one-dimensional. But – I definitely think that they could do Tickle. So if, you know, Finlayson's not there for the first month, they could still go, okay, well, I still want the same system. I'm still going to play two rucks, but Tickle's going to be that guy. Apparently the assistant coach also said the there's pressure for spots as well. Like um, best ruckman plays come round one. So Lysett had a good preseason. I am a little concerned with the, was it the three shoulder reconstructions or whatever he's had? Mm. Yeah, Which I, is a, yeah, a rough injury fit. for a ruckman. Hmm. Yeah, so but apparently fit, but again, he's one tackle away from maybe re-injuring it. Um, Hayes also apparently going well, and Dante, I think if Hayes pronounce it, is stepping up as well. So apparently they're saying pressure for spots and the best Ruckman will play come round one. So uh, 
you can't go, oh, that's his job. And like, by the way, you know, second and third ruck don't even try. So there's a you know a little bit of read between the lines yeah, there. But I think I think there's a very big consensus. It's it's Lysette. <laughs> yeah, and it's but not. I, and it's and the thing is, he doesn't have a bad ruck draw to start off with. Like it's Big O, you know, DC, Rolio, Sydney's ruck, Tim English if he's in on the park by then, and that Nick Nat playing his fifty percent game time. Like it's not terrible. Then Essendon. So like it's not a terrible start to the season. That way, you know, you're, you're mixing, you're missing the Melbourne combination. Um, yeah, you're, you're missing that, you know, the Frio combination. So it's kind of, it's it's healthy enough to, for me to think, well, why can't he pump out, you know, a, a couple of nice hundreds and just get that uh, that price moving? I think it's a valid strategy of starting someone that's not necessarily, yeah, you know, that ideally they make you money. But at least in your mind, worst case scenario, they're not dropping cash. It's not like you're starting a wits just because you're not sure. And then all yeah. of a sudden you're like, oh, by the way, now he's dropped down to like 550, 520. And whereas at least if you're not sure who the best other uh, best ruck is and say, let's say, well, Marshall's cheap and we think he'll be top two, then that's great. The other one, it's like, well, hey, we'll go to this person. We know they're not going to drop cash. Hopefully they make a little bit of money. You steal some cars and you be a good big brother. <laughs> was it gone in 60 seconds? So, um, yeah, I respect that. My my big thing is, okay, so I personally believe that let's say, for example, everything's roses, he gets the number one ruck pick, everything falls into place for him. I still don't see a world where he averages more than 100. Now, that's fine if you've got forward status and you can flick him forward, but he's not going to, I don't think he's going to play enough like forward time to be a forward. He's not going to play 35% forward, no chance. Mm. So therefore, he's only really an upgrade. Because 100 is not going to be enough to be in the top three, four rucks. Like there's going to be guys averaging 110 plus. We just have, we just don't know who that is. is so it, if he's, uh, are we are we actually that sure the rucks are going to do that? Because what was it? Only really two rucks went that way last year. Nah, well, but yeah. So traditionally, it's like 115 to 130 is rucks. But the last couple of years, and I think the, the scoring's year, changed, and the way yeah. they're set up with the two rucks so, has changed that we're not going to see that with the rucks. Potential. I think that the floor now is also oh, the ceiling's probably one ten. I think the I think the best rucks will still will go about one ten this year. Um, and look, look, don't get me wrong. If English plays twenty two games uh, and he will have and averages one hundred and twenty, yeah, for sure, throw it out the window. But I don't. I can't see him playing anywhere near that. So, yeah, that's yeah, Benny boy. And not to mention the you know the, playing the two rucks. You know with the hypothetical that one of them will get subbed as well. And we spoke about that preseason. Yeah. Carlton have already confirmed that they're going to play Pitney in the mid, in the ruck, and they're going to have um, De Koning probably going to finish the game in the ruck and Pitney will then go off if they're full of health. So already those strategies are starting to think about Hawthorne as well, possibly. Well, in the I think same the, flexib- the, the, the one benefit that say a, a Lysette has in that scenario is that with Finlayson being able to play anywhere over the park, they can literally sub out a, a center half back uh, or a forward. Like they can sub out Georgiatis or Marshall, if they're having a poor game, they're not going to sub out Dixon. That's just not going to happen. But they could sub those guys out instead of subbing out one of the two rucks. And that's that you know, helps Lysette because then he's not at risk. Because like we said on the on a previous from previous pods, generally speaking, we see the less mobile ruckman as the one that, you know, he's, he's the one that's going to go. Um and obviously the mobile ruckman in this sort of situation is Lyset is um is sorry, is Finlayson. So then Lysette would be at risk, but I'm not sure that that is the case in this kind of setup with them that many tools all over the ground and, and Finlayson having the ability to basically switch anywhere um, gives them a real big advantage. So 
Um, I think that pretty much wraps that up. I, I, I don't hate the pick is probably where I stand. I'm just not sure how it goes, where where the wins are. Like, how do you win that pick? Is He becomes a keeper, right? Is he averaging 110? I can't see that. Is he going to make you enough money to make it worth it? Maybe. He might you know, make you 100 grand and you can you know, throw $50,000 on there and get the number one rack or 100 grand on and get the number one rack. So I'm not sure. Is, is the no, it's like buying a little Mazda waiting for you to get enough money to buy your Ferrari. That's pretty much it. You're just buying it pretty to much. do a job until you can afford yeah. the real thing. Bit of a, and it's a bit of a stopgap, right? It is one of the things I do like about the pick. It's kind of like Darcy Cameron in the fact that you can just sort of rest for a bit, wait for that number one ruck to present itself and then jump on at the appropriate time. So there is that. Um, now on the rookies. So there's uh, just two guys really that I think we should be aware of. So obviously Josh Sin, is the big one, 123K forward mid, um, starting to get back into the swing of things in terms of training, um, but obviously he's been injured uh, in the preseason, had a bit of an interrupted preseason. Injured again? Well, so he's coming back from injury. No, no. Um, okay, so has to be monitored, I think, continually. He'll build into the year, currently dealing with hamstring soreness. So not injured again, but he tried to build the loads up to play, and now he's got hamstring yep. soreness, so they're going to back him off. And uh, pretty much saying, look, he should be available for round one, but basically because of that interrupted preseason, there'll I be a slow build. He's not playing round one, man. No, no, he's not. No. So he's now out of my standard side. No, nah, there's no way that they can run into that unless like they play him in the preseason game and he actually blows the people away. But I don't think he's going to have enough training load under his belt by that time to be able to be picked. Um, he'll be a great downgrade option. I just hope, I hope with someone like a Sin, that we get him in like round six, not like round three. Like he's the sort of guy that I think that they want to get games into as early as possible. And so he plays a couple of games in the sample. I'm not sure when sample starts, so that also might have an impact there. Um, and then they go, okay, you're straight in. And then he ruins you because you can't get him by round six or round, round six, seven, you know, upgrade season. So one to definitely watch, but I don't know where we sit with that. And then um, Dylan Williams, of course, still hasn't had his debut, 123K forward. Um, he's that medium forward type. I think at some point he plays, but they have a glut of just tall forwards and, and not really, and even guys like now they've got Rioli as, um in there as well as Fantasia if he becomes fit. There's not really room for Dilwill in that side right now. He's going to be waiting for an injury. I don't see him making that impact off the off the start. Um, but that's all really I can see from a rookie front on, on for those guys uh, early in the season. Um, we'll have to wait and see on everything else. Any other guys that you, um, you've you seen that you want to keep an eye on? Expensive rookie, Fantasia, 203000 yeah. Not that I've gone there, but some have kind of looked at him around. I wouldn't. Allen I'd Cross. never. He, he, he burnt a lot of people last year. I think he was only, what was he last year? Like 230k or something. He was only a little bit more expensive yeah. and he killed people. Um, his body is just absolutely not worth the risk. Yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't go near him on that, and especially that they've got ins and other players. Like, just even if he's fully fit, you know, do they do they go with the other guys that they've you know they've already got in there? I, I, Is he a sub? I, yeah, that's right. That sort of stuff. So, it, unfortunately, there's those sort of cheap options um, aren't going to be put out of this year. Yeah, agreed. Um, that's all I got, guys. Any draft? Any draft relevance as far I, as I think. Like, there's not I think much we've covered outside of the mo- Yeah, no, we've we've covered most of them because there's quite a lot of picks at that. Even the breakout, like yeah, breakout cans, etc. Um, 
I don't really think there's much in terms of draft relevance. I mean, you know, Dixon's here and there. Drew, what's his role going to be like? I mean, DBJ can be decent in defense for, you know, your 80, 85 yeah. average. We've already talked yep. about Finlayson. Yep. Yeah, but no one you're like jumping that. ahead at. So you're no. not kind of jumping it's like all that you're picking them higher. Port no, Adelaide, no, I think, no. is one of those teams that's going to be a bit of a hype situation. So um, I've even seen some mock drafts. Like I play sort of 12, 14 team leagues, but the 10 team league, you're seeing Butters, Rosie, they're going second round. Horn Francis is going way earlier than what I would ever take him. Um, so you got you, you got some of these Port players that are going ridiculously early. Uh, so I, I think if you if you think Port are going to rebound, which they should, and, and be right up there, then yeah, maybe it is worth moving on, especially with these guys that have forward status. Um, but you're going to have to overpay to get them. That's crazy, absolutely crazy. Although all the talks about them at the moment, so people just jump absolutely crazy, 100%. and if they do, just let them. Yep. Right, I think that wraps us up. Well done, Port Adelaide, done and dusted. Pretty much a lot of focus on the ins and outs on a few different people. But next we have Richmond. And um, look, I'm not sure, Chris, I think we'll be moving off after this one. So we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll be able to get a celebrity apprentice in for it. Uh, otherwise, we'll catch you next time. Or we'll talk to you soon. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. 